Hi, I'm Heather, and I teach women all about finding joy in the life you live, experiencing the Holy Spirit's powerful transformation in your marriage, and gaining the support of sisters in Christ, women just like you, to encourage you along the way. I made the Marriage Grace with Heather podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies that are fully rooted in scripture, psychology, stories, and inspiration to help you and your marriage blossom. If you're a woman of Christ seeking a happy, loving, sacred marriage, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hi there, Heather here. Welcome to the Marriage Grace with Heather podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in because today we're going to look at the first step toward healing your marriage. And let me tell you, this first step has everything to do with you and nothing to do with your spouse. That sounds backwards, I know, but trust me, I've been where you are before and I had to get the me figured out before my marriage had a shot at healing. When my marriage was in real trouble and I was experiencing constant challenges, I developed self-pity and was slowly spiraling into a pit of depression. If you're dealing with constant conflict in your marriage, perhaps even every day, you may also have that constant reminder that things aren't well and you deserve better. I know I was thinking that I deserve to be treated with love, respect, and kindness, yet that's not what was happening. As a result, I often felt stuck, sad, and lonely, I let my feelings get the best of me and really struggled to find joy even outside of my marriage. For those of you that are having the same struggle, this episode is for you. And the good news is that I'm here to tell you that despite your marital problems, you can find joy in your own life. And as absurd as that may sound, that, my friend, is actually the first step toward healing your marriage. And that was transformative for me. So let's dig in, starting with wisdom from the parable of the sower of seeds. Jesus was speaking to a large crowd and said, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So, I'll say that again. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. All of us here are blessed with this opportunity. In other words, the Bible clearly states this parable is important. So what does this have to do with marriage and experiencing joy? Let's take a deeper look at the meaning. The seed that fell on the footpath represents anyone who hears the word of the kingdom regarding salvation and does not understand and grasp it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away what was planted in their hearts. This person allows a door that is so easily open to Satan and surely runs aimlessly and lost in this busy world that's filled with many evils. However, 
This person can protect themselves from the evil one through believing in Jesus's offer of salvation and setting aside time to read the Bible with eager intent to understand. Now, let's take a look at the rocky soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents the one who hears the word and at once welcomes it with joy. Yet he has no substantial root in himself, but is only temporary. And when pressure, problems, or persecutions comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls away, abandoning the Lord who is his source of salvation. So this person's abandonment of salvation also allows an open door to Satan. Times of pressure and problems is when Jesus is actually our greatest comforter and when we can learn to seek his love and comfort in these tough times by setting aside time to read the Bible and connect with the Lord. Now let's take a look at the thorns. And the one on whom seed was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness, which in the Amplified Bible is the superficial pleasures and delights of riches, choke the word, and it yields no fruit. So this person is distracted by the world's stresses, and he allows an open door for Satan. In times of great stress and worry that our Lord Jesus provides, he provides the only peace and rest we may experience during these phases of our life by prioritizing time to read the Bible and connect with Jesus. As we can see, now there's a theme forming. The footpath, the rocky soil, and the thorns all lead to open doors for Satan to enter into our lives without our knowing and ultimately leads to death. When I think of my own life, I can think of the phases where I lived as an example of the footpath. Um, being raised as a believer of God, I was certainly hearing the word of the kingdom and salvation but I definitely wasn't understanding or grasping it, nor was I even trying to do so. In college, I became the seed on the rocky soil, experiencing one of God's miracles that were transformative, which is a story for another episode, yet picking and choosing how I wanted to live, not how God had instructed me to live according to his word. And then after college and through my professional life, I've also been the seed thorn, sown among thorns, hearing the word and desiring the narrow path of life and the salvation Jesus offers, but being easily distracted by worldly things like bills, career, marriage, babies, personal desires, etc. That didn't leave an opening for Jesus to be prioritized in my life. So we all go through phases in life and through our journey and relationship with God that change. And that's okay. But what God wants and what's best for us is to take root in the good soil. So let's take a look at that. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil is the one who hears the word and understands and grasps it. He produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. Wow. Well, I want that for you. I want that for myself too, to be the seed that is sown in good soil. This is what Jesus wants for us too. 
And the good news is that if we are the seeds that tried rooting the footpath or the rocky soil or the thorns, we can each make a decision to be the one that sows seed in good soil. Making a commitment to consistently spend time with the Lord, as Jesus showed us by example through his relationship with the Father, and by taking the initiative to open the Bible to seek and understand, we all stand the opportunity to sow seed in good soil. And salvation is available for all. We are all unique and special in our own ways, and God loves us all equally. He offers us salvation to each and every one of us. Okay, okay, so I hear you. You're reading the Bible and spending time in prayer, maybe already sowing seed in the good soil, but you still have that joy sucked right out of your life due to your marriage that is potentially on the brink of divorce. So now what? Those of you that are truly planting seed in good soil also recognize that marriage is not the single most important aspect of your life. You alone are unique, special, have many talents, and offer so much to the world, more than you know. And God the Father loves you so much. Sowing the seed in good soil gives us the understanding that prioritizing relationship with Jesus Christ and gaining wisdom from the Word is one of the most important aspects of our life. Not only does making the decision to sow seed in good soil lead to your salvation, but God says He produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. I'm pretty sure I want that kind of harvest, and I'm guessing you do too. So how do we experience joy and begin producing that harvest? One of the lessons taught in Philippians, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, is Paul's letter that he wrote in prison. He had all the reason, based on his circumstances, to be unhappy living a life that many of us thankfully won't endure, that of prosecution and imprisonment. Yet, despite his circumstances, his letter is all about joy. Many of us think, if I just had a better marriage or more money, or a better job, or whatever it is that you are desiring, then I'll be happy. And that, my friends, is what Satan, the great deceiver, wants us to to be thinking. The reality is that life will have its many ups and downs, and it will never be perfect because we are all imperfect people. It will always have challenges. It's healthy to have goals, aspirations, desires, but our happiness doesn't hinge on them. We are offered the same joy that Paul experiences despite our circumstances, despite our challenging marriage with right mind thinking. So Paul's letter is intently focused on the mind and what you are thinking about. Really stop and think. Have you taken the time to think about what you're thinking about? If you haven't, I encourage you to start building a habit to take notice of what your thoughts are. Paul leaves us with key words of wisdom to experience joy as we work toward planting our seeds in good soil. So let's hear what he says. Always be full of the Lord. I say it again, 
rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Wow, Paul's message is so powerful. There are so many lessons in those few sentences alone. When I'm honest with myself and reflecting on what I was thinking when I was self-pitying myself and falling into that pit of depression over an unhappy marriage, I recognized that I was replaying my marriage hurts over and over again in my head, feeling sad and frustrated that I was going through this, thinking about my fears of a failed marriage and what that means for me and my kids. I was on replay with many thoughts of what I was not grateful for and failing to see the aspects of my life that truly deserved celebration. When I let go and let my mindset shift, my marriage was no longer the thing in my life that I had to improve to feel joy. Did I still want a happy marriage? You bet I did. And that's okay. The key is that your desires and your circumstances aren't taking away the joy in your life. If it is, be honest with yourself. Are you weighing too much importance on that one aspect of your life? Is your thinking unbalanced? So take some time to really take notice of what you are thinking about. Catch yourself. Are your thoughts focused on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable? Do you have control over your thoughts? And once you have a grip on rebalancing your thoughts to other areas and aspects of your life, you will be able to move from that thorny soil into the good soil, begin enjoying life and producing a harvest that of 30, 60, or 100 times more than was planted. So the first step, but the most transformative step in saving your marriage is to begin experiencing joy outside of your marriage. You are beautiful and have so much to offer the world. Remember, Jesus doesn't give you more than you can handle, and he creates good from all circumstances. Most importantly, he loves you. To recap, we now know the first step in improving your marriage is to begin experiencing joy in your life outside of your marriage by rebalancing the importance you place on your marriage, focusing on the parts of your life that should be celebrated, and spending time building relationship with Christ through daily prayer and Bible study. I'm actually really grateful that I went through these challenges to help me experience this personal growth. A little bit of perspective shifting can make a world of difference. All right. I hope you loved this episode and found it valuable. And thanks for hanging out with me here. 
All right, my friends, I can't wait to see you next week. Episode two, where I expand on this topic to cover easy steps you can take to find happiness, even when your marriage feels hopeless. Same time, same place. Can't wait. Looking to dig in deeper to have a happy, loving, sacred marriage? Visit marriagegrace.com for more resources and tune in every Thursday for new, simple, actionable strategies to help you and your marriage blossom. Thanks for joining me on Marriage Grace with Heather. See you next time and God bless.